Hello, my name is Sarah Tomlinson. I've been a farm vet in Derbyshire for 19 years and I'm also a technical director with the TB Advisory Service, but being a cattle vet is very much still my main job. Since I've been involved in TB work, I've come to see that government initiatives alone won't lead to the UK becoming TB free. It's also not just down to farmers either, even though their role is crucial. Our profession has a huge role to play. You're about to hear a talk I gave at BCVA Congress last year. It's called An Holistic Approach to TB. There's more to it than just testing. It looks at our role and I hope that hearing it will reinvigorate your interest and approach to this health planning challenge. I hope you find it useful and welcome any feedback via BCVA. Yeah, I've, I've been, I am just a farm vet. I feel kind of slight imposter syndrome standing up here when we have lots of very important um, people with lots of letters after their name. I am a farm vet. I do farm work um, as often as I can when I'm not doing TB stuff. Um, I've worked in Derbyshire for 18 years and I've seen TB get progressively worse. We've gone from four yearly testing where we just tested adults, you know, kind of a long time ago, um, to now doing six monthly TB testing and gamma bloods repeatedly at breakdowns with lesions. So I'm here today, really. I've spent the last three years of my life sort of going around farmer meetings, telling them to up their game and re-engage in TB control. And, you know, the government control, government rules won't eradicate TB. Farmers need to do that. Well, actually, we need to play our role too. So... How many of us here are actually physically going on farm TB testing? Oh, very good. So I might be slightly talking to the converted. Um, because obviously with the VDP tender a few years ago, a lot of practices decided not to carry on TB testing. And when we've, what we've learned through the TBAS is that actually farmers are sometimes confused at who should be giving TB advice. You know, my routine vet, but they don't do TB. And my TB tester just tests. So who is going out there and talking to our farmers about TB? And I think actually as a profession, we're letting our farmers down because we're not doing that. My other big bugbear, and again, I've talked in nearly every county in England, um, low risk, edge and high risk. And the amount of stories I still hear about tests not being done properly you know I'll hold my hands up I graduated 18 years ago the way I was taught to TB test is not the way I TB test now I have massively upped my game and I think the majority of vets probably have you know the TB skin test is a scientific test it's not done in a laboratory but it is still a scientific test and what's the point of you know going to the effort of jabbing everything on day one only on day two to kind of read them through a gate Everything should be felt, palpated and recorded. The sensitivity is bad enough, at best 80%, at worst 50%. If we're not doing that test properly, it's going below that. We may as well toss a coin to find reactors. So we need to engage in that and we need to be confident in what we're doing so the farmers are confident in those test results. More recently, I've become aware of kind of actually accurately writing down those measurements as well. It's really hard when you get back from reading a, you know, 800 cow test to realise you've got 150 reactions to write in, even though it's a clear test. 
but actually more and more APHRA are looking at those skin measurements to look at sort of um, cost benefit of doing bovine only interpretation. So again, I really urge everybody to be really conscientious of writing down those test results. So I've had a bit of a nag, but actually, as a profession, we are really, really good at health planning. We've really engaged in that. You know, we've all got our um, BCVA, Yoni's Accredited Advisor certificates and our BVD ones. And we are regularly sitting down with our farmers and health planning, talking about infectious disease on farms. We carry out a screening test to find out what level of disease is on the farm. We decide what more tests we need to do to find out the extent of it or where the source might be. But more importantly, we put a plan in to stop the spread of that disease or eliminate that disease and reduce the cost impact to that herd. Fair enough, some of the diseases we've got really good vaccines, but actually Yoni's don't. The Yoni's plans are based on biosecurity, managing at-risk animals. Testing and culling alone doesn't remove yonis from a herd. So why is TB any different? Why are we not doing that for TB? We go out, we do a screening test, we do more tests to find out the extent of the disease, we increase the sensitivity. We do see TB as differently. And I did too, up until a few years ago, I was exactly the same. And why is it with the TB test we go, yay, you've passed, and we walk away, or we go, ooh, you've failed, and equally walk away? We don't talk about that result. If they're free of TB, we don't talk about keeping them free of TB. And if they go down, you know, do we go back through the test chart? Do we look at historical test charts? Do we look at the patterns of the disease? We don't. And that's where I think we are failing and we could do more as a profession for TB. So I do understand that TB is different and I do get that. And it is government controlled and that is massive. I do appreciate that. You know, our farmers are told what to test, when to test, and more importantly, they are really upset our clients when our clients, they tell our clients what they can and can't do with their businesses. You know, is that part of it? Is it because we're all slight control freaks and actually if we can't have complete control of the epidemiology and what we do on farm, we just sort of back away from it? Is it because the test is free, so we don't see a value in it and we don't get the level of professional fees that we could do by doing other things? I hope with the um, approved TB test as pilot being really successful that that will be rolled out and potentially TB control can come back into the hands of experienced vets and disassociate it from the actual test. But like I say, we really need to up our game. And if we aren't enthusiastic about TB control and going on farm and we sort of just see it as humdrum and day in, day out, how are our farmers going to engage in it? And like I say, I've spent the last three years of my life with the TB advisory service going around saying, come on, you know, you can do this. You can control certain things, certain risk pathways on your farm. So what can we do? We can make sure we know the TB status of our herds for starters. So if, farm, if vet practices aren't doing the TB testing, do you have a process in your practice where you find out that information? I spoke to somebody recently that their practice does tests for two other local practices. One practice very early on set up a form that the farmer had to sign to give permission for that information to be shared. The other practice has never asked. So who's talking to that, that practice's clients about TB? 
within a practice, you know, some of us have got massive teams of 10, 15, 20 vets and a very specific team of TB testers. You know, is there weekly emails or weekly team meetings where that information can be shared? And it's not just the breakdown herd, it's those ones that have just gone clear. How do we keep those clear? Don't forget the ones that don't have TB. So, as a vet, if you get a TB breakdown, the first thing is actually give them a call. Even if you've not done the test and you think, oh, I've just heard that Mr. Jones has gone down with TB, pick up the phone and ring him. You are their trusted advisor as their routine vet, as a senior vet in the practice. You know, find out how they're doing. How are they dealing with it? You know, farmers have all sorts of crap to deal with, and this can just be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You're their friend in a lot of situations. You know, give them a ring. See if you can get on farm to talk about how you can help them manage their TB breakdown. A lot of the policies rely on uh, quite short timeframes to get animals off farm or into um, units or into markets. So they need to be, um, the licenses need to be applied for quite quickly. One thing I've started doing now is looking back through the test chart. So pulling out any bovine reaction. Are there patterns? So every time a farm gets shut down and they go, oh yeah, it's different ages of cows, there is no pattern. Actually, if you look back, they were all the same heifer cohort. You know, look for those patterns. And then can you say, well, how many are left in that group? Can we put them proactively on a cull list so they're not there at the next test? Managing the offspring. We don't have any evidence that TB does spread like yonis, but they are very similar bacteria. So a lot of the biosecurity stuff we talk about is based on that sort of thing. So snatch carving, artificial colostrum. But more importantly, like I said, it's keeping these farms TB free. And again, this is something we've come across with the TB advisory service. The vets that are running these visits, you know, well, I've only got so many farms that are shut down. They're not the farms we want to target. Yes, they need the advice, but it's the ones that are TB-free. We want to keep them TB-free. So all our um, advice within the TB advisory service is based on the five-point plan. So it's looking at stopping or reducing badger-to-cattle interaction, protecting feed sources, stopping cattle coming into the herd with TB, the risk from neighbours and also fomites, so manure, um, shared equipment. Have you all heard of IBTB? So this is the nearest thing to risk-based trading that we have. Um, we, I share this with all the farmers that I've got. I get, it, get them to put it on their phones, so if they are at market or they just happen to be on a farm and someone says, do you fancy my bull, they can have a look. It's like Google Maps, you can drill down into it, but every breakdown herd in England and Wales is shown on there and it can go back five years. I regularly sit in the kitchen after a routine and they'll, I'll see a catalogue and they'll say, oh, you're going to the sale on Saturday. And they'll say, let's just have a look. And we look them up on IBTB and I almost risk score them. And often the pens that they were looking at are sometimes some of the worst scores. One of my clients who kept putting off and putting off having a TBAS visit, because it is really hard to persuade them to engage in TB when they don't have it, um, he eventually had a visit because he had a breakdown. He said, you better come and see me. His breakdown was because a herd local to us, I don't know if I've got the 
slide. Yes. So this, this is a screenshot from IBTV. They aren't clients, so I can talk about them. They were shut down from July 2016 to August 2018, so just over two years. In September 2018, there was an in-calf heifer sale at our local market. My client bought some of those heifers. It was those heifers that shut him down. He said if he'd have had his tea bass visit before he bought them, he wouldn't have bought them. We would have prevented that breakdown. So getting on those farms before they get a breakdown is vital. So yeah, he went down again in um, less than six months. I appreciate he, he needed to sell those cattle, but actually we need to manage where those animals go. And you could argue some of his neighbours around him are as at risk of TB and have got the same level of TB. So I'm not saying nobody should buy those animals, but if you're TB free, maybe not. Badgers. Badgers are a major, major risk pathway for the majority of our cattle farmers in the high risk and the edge and even some of the hotspots in the low risk area. So I think in the um, 2018 EPI report that was released a few weeks ago, over 60% of breakdowns in the high risk area are attributed to badgers from the DRFs that um, APHA do. Um, about 56%, so not far behind in the edge, and more worryingly, about 12.5% in the LRA are caused by badgers. So even if you are farming you know, in the true edge and into the LRA, badger proofing has still got to be quite high on our advice that we give. As a vet, again, before I got involved in this, I didn't feel confident going out and identifying badger activity on farm, but there are some really, really great work um, handouts, fact sheets on the TB Hub on badger ecology, looking for sets, latrines, things like that. And don't over kind of... Farmers always get very upset about, oh, but I can't stop the badger-to-cattle interaction in the paddock. You can't, but you can stop them sharing water troughs. You can shut feed store doors. Control what you can. You can't eliminate every risk, but you can reduce some of the risks. So you point out to a farmer, did you know TB can survive for up to 60 days in water? You've got a set, you've got a water trough. Why wouldn't you raise it to a metre? Mineral licks, again, are another really easy win. Shutting feed store doors at night and protecting silage clamps. You know, they're all doable things and really cheap to do. Badger footprint... They're like your fist. They've got a kidney-shaped pad, sort of there. So it's very different to a dog. And you can quite often see four, if not all five of the toes, and then very sharp claws. And if you go looking for them and you get your eye in, you see them everywhere. My three children on dog walks, they're like, oh, look. You know, they are everywhere if you, if you look for them. Sets. Um, classically, they're a D on their side, but they can be quite tall and thin. Rabbits, foxes, badgers can all share and um, not at the same time normally. Um, fresh ones will have digging and obvious soil. Um, inactive ones will have cobwebs and leaves and things like that in front of them. Badger runs, again, are that obvious we don't realise they're badger runs. Foxes, dogs, rabbits bound, so they don't form those really clear paths. Badgers are really close to the ground, so they do. They're often heading for something high on the horizon because they're low to the ground and quite short-sighted. Um, so again, just spotting those. Badgers go across fields. The only reason they come off their runs is to go for feed and water that we're providing for them, or the farmers are. We, we can have badgers on our farms, but we don't need to make it. We don't need to feed and water them. 
Electric fencing, dead cheap, simple, easy to protect silage clamps uh, where we're feeding cattle on the edge of sheds. Um, 10, 15, 20, 30 centimetres, we can step over it. You can work your um, silage grabs, buckets, feeders, can all still carry on. Sheeted gates into where you're um, blowing feed into stores. This was one of our TBAS advisors who'd been going on the farm for years. Within a few weeks of having a TBAS visit, he, we'd identified the risk and he'd put, replaced a five-bar gate with um, a sheeted gate. If I'm being really picky, I'd put the sheet on the outside because in theory a badger potentially could still climb that. But there have been lots of studies shown that actually you don't have to badger-proof your whole yard if you stop them getting into feed stores and access to water by two or three simple, really simple things, they stop visiting the yard completely. This was one of my farms, um, nice pedigree limmy herd, obsessed with mineral licks, but obviously there's gaps where badgers can get in. They will get through gaps seven and a half centimetres, as big as my hand. We were talking about the risks. He solved the problem himself. That was one of my recommendations. He just put the mineral lick into the trough that was nearly a metre high. You know, he, he thought of that himself. Dead easy, dead simple. But that potentially could reduce the risk of TB getting into that herd. He's surrounded by TB. Slurry, another massive, big kind of risk pathway, we think. Um, Dick Sibley and Gatcom, obviously, he's done a lot of um, work with them. But again, just managing that risk, um, putting it onto graze it, uh, arable land rather than mowing ground and then grazing if you really have to. And the way we put the slurry on, so obviously the traditional splash plate is a lot more, we've got less control, more aerosols, umbilical cord, and then finally injecting, we've got obviously very little sward contamination. But injecting probably means using a contractor. Where's the contractor been before they came to you? I mean, that's biosecurity for all diseases, not just TB. Hauliers, you know, I graduated in 2001 where we had the multiple pickup licenses for foot and mouth. Anybody remember those? We didn't allow hauliers to come onto the farms. They had to have a process where they had a corral at the end of the farm lane, tailgated and walked cattle across. You know, why did we stop doing that? Why do we let these guys pull into our calf shed, drop the tailgate and load all the boys on? Same with cull cows. You drop the tailgate, a few cull cows walk on. What contamination are we leaving behind on the farm? These are all small risk pathways compared to cattle and badgers. But if you're genuinely a closed herd, this could be a major risk pathway for coming onto the farm. Us. Um, you know, we're um, quite big risks going onto farm. We go onto lots of farm. Um, I was at the OV conference this year, and if anyone else was there, Alistair McNabb was quite scathing and quite finger-pointing at the veterinary profession and, and showed some quite horrific pictures of dirty wellies and dirty car boots. We all have bad days and rushed days, but actually, we need to lead by example. You know, I, part of the TB protocol is disinfecting on and off. I now try and do that on every farm. I try not to wear the same leggings and... Um, parlour tops on different farms you know we've got plenty in the practice they all go through a wash afterwards um, just to try and lead by example the other thing to remind farmers is the fam disinfectant a farmer was absolutely gassed to see the volume and the thick soup of fam that I made because he didn't believe that that was the concentration needed for TB control 1 to 20. One of my colleagues, um, that's her reason for going for a McDonald's breakfast because the little orange juices are 200 mils so she has those, it all measured out in a car, ready to add to her, her bucket. 
And finally, my big, big thing for those TB-free herds is sit down with them and make a plan. Do that health plan, not just for the animals and the disease, but actually for the business. We've all seen business, farms go out of business because of TB and lives destroyed because of TB. You know, what would they do? What parts of their business would be affected by a TB breakdown? Is it that they normally remove all non-black and white heifer calves pre-42 days? What would they do with them? They can't move stock on for 60 days. So if you rely on a throughput of animals regularly, that is going to have a massive impact on your business. Could they become an AFU if they finish animals? What, could you get an isolation unit for those baby calves? Talking about what policies actually could help manage these businesses. Reputation. Is that their biggest worry, that they would lose that reputation? We now have a checks accredited scheme for TB. There's not many takers at the minute, but 10 years ago, there weren't many takers of all the BVD ones and Yoni's ones. But now you can't sell a pedigree bull unless it is accredited. So we've got a long way to go, but we're in a position to encourage those things and push them. So you'll be pleased to know I am nearly done. But my challenge is we need to take control of this disease. The government on its own can't eradicate TB. I really, really believe the farming industry is engaging in it. We need to bank the effort that they've put into the culls in the southwest because they are having an impact. The last thing we want to do is for them to buy that back in. And we are their trusted advisor. They do listen to what we say. And I do think, like I said earlier, we've neglected TB. We're doing great for all the other infectious diseases. And I appreciate that quite a few that have spent years TB testing, it is demoralizing. And you think, but there's so many things out of my control. But there are a lot of things within our control and the farmers. And just because you can't control every risk, doesn't mean you shouldn't engage and try and reduce the risks that you can. Thank you very much.